It's Brian, your lunatic friend. Pretty proud of myself because I can still remember my early solo years. Maybe not in the exact order that they happened, but there's evidence to show that they actually did. I had toured most of 1988 and I had started writing songs for a new project. And I probably would have been alarmed if I had known that Modern Art, my new upstart record company, was going to fold right after releasing this project. But my song, Strong Medicine, had nothing to do with the impending death of my record company. On tour, I wasn't seeing a lot of instantaneous transformations. The good news of redemption and the promise of eternal life didn't seem to be keeping people from suffering. And when I started the title track, I was picturing the condition of man as a terminal illness. And I sing, by your bedside I cried as I wondered. Is there really any hope? For the suffering, the pain, the condition is the same, and it's out of my control. And that's something that God reminds me of to this day. There is a God, and I'm not Him. Best I can do is to offer the prescription for faith and hope and healing. And here's where I thought that maybe I hadn't written the prescription in a legible hand handwriting, I was always trying to be clever because I'd seen enough presentations of the gospel from people who seemed to be clueless or thoughtless or both because I knew how impossible faith seemed to a logical mind. And the Bible even says that the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to those who don't believe. And I guess I was protecting myself from looking foolish. Now my preacher dad baptized me when I was seven years old. He chose Soap Lake, Washington. So you can see that my dad was where I got my cleverness from. And that was when I chose to believe that Jesus had paid a price for me. So so like the Bible says, you would not perish but have eternal life. I think the greatest affliction to mankind is fear. And fear comes in a lot of varieties. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And what's going to happen to me? And all I could end with in this song is, don't be afraid. But I got to tell you, I can't stop anything that's happening to you. I would write a song for my sons, who were both young at the time, not more than six years of age, the oldest. The song is called, Hand It Over. And I would write, I'd like to say you're going to make it, children. I'd like to say that everything will be all right from the time you're starting out in the morning till the time you fall asleep in the sweet moonlight. I'd like to say it, but it's just not true. I'd like to say that the world is fair and you can face it from an easy chair. And here's where you could interject the chorus from the other song, but I believe a price was paid. It's easy to throw that prescription around, but my kids saw every aspect of my life living with me every day. I have a propensity to be highly irritated. I'm impatient and I get angry when things don't go my way. In writing another song called Stand in My Place, I was pretty sure I was committing spiritual suicide in my Christian career to admit out loud that I was nowhere close to holy. I always thought that it was ironic in Christian music that you didn't show people the exact reasons why Jesus had to pay a price for you. It was made clear to me that being a Christian artist meant you were supposed to be a shiny example of sainthood. And the sweeter you were, the more records you sold. I was told early on that transparency was one thing that people resonated with. So I thought that if I was transparent that people would like me more. Uh, not so much. I was suspect in my my confessions, but I went ahead and opened that song with Some things can't be explained like you'd like them to be I find it easier to curse than pray So I was surprised when this song got radio airplay without any marketing whatsoever But then any believer can see that Jesus traded paradise for poverty to stand in our place And I couldn't help but see the glaring difference between God's sacrifice and my arrogance And I would write another song called Let Me Be Broken Even as I was aware that I already was so these lyrics were effortless when I wrote In a heart of pride there's a world of shame Too great to hide but not ready to take the blame I know that life gets hard when the heart grows cold You refuse to bend, love is quick to fold But like the willows weep in the winds of change Or like the embers glow when the fire is low God is teaching me 
reaching me. Learn the strength and humility. There was another song on this record that might have been inspired from the line, Love is Quick to Fold. By 1988, I'd been married for 10 years, and I was hearing of divorces from people I knew. Believers, too. And I remember feeling a sense of abandonment that my friends were giving up the fight. And I couldn't help but fear that if it could happen to them, it could happen to me. I was away from home a lot myself, and not sure how much investment I had put into my wife. And I won't kid you about the temptations there were on the road. There were lots of attractions women around the country, and they could talk real nice to you. But even the Bible says there's no temptation taking you, but such that is common to man. And it goes on to say that God will provide a way of escape. But then you have to want one. My saving grace was that I was in and out of town really fast. It was just best to not hang around. Nevertheless, that struggle was ongoing, and it would inspire the song, Recognize a Lover from a Thief. In the back half of the song, I write, A loving smile and a counterfeit grin. With open arms, one is taking you in. It's given to and your heart's at stake, but who's the giver and taker? Now, I was taught from the earliest days that the devil was a liar, but I couldn't blame everything on him because I had the proclivity to lie to myself. And one of the biggest lies is that the devil made me do it. No, the devil can't make you do anything. We don't call our lies lies. We call them justifications. And that would inspire the song Lies Upon Lies. Like clouds in the skies, pretty soon it's gonna rain. You're gonna get those shiny shoes muddy. That was actually the last song we recorded for this project. We were already out of a budget, so I did it on a little spinet piano that was half out of tune, made it sound like it was in a little club setting, just piano, bass, and drums, and added a saxophone solo later. We did this song on the cheap because we spent the most money bringing in a vocal group that I liked called Take Six. Turns out they were in town for the Grammy Awards. They did the arrangement and the vocals for a song called Inside Out. I'm pretty sure they won a Grammy Award two days later, and they would be working with Quincy Jones in the future, and I would never hear from them again. They would go on to be doing big time secular events and I would be singing at churches where they were more excited about corporate worship these days than they were about honest lyrics about a walk with Jesus. So I would write one song that I thought might fit into the worship category. You know, something happy and doesn't think too hard. The song is called Your Name is Wonderful. Yeah, it's easy to sing, but I couldn't stop messing with the groove. It turned into kind of a Caribbean island flavor. The bass line is it was cool, but it kind of kept people from clapping on the two and the four. I remember one audience later that was trying to clap to it, and man, people were clapping everywhere. Until I had to finally stop and say, hey, could you save your applause for the end? And this was the kind of sarcasm that I would have to explain or apologize for later. There was one song on this record that really didn't fit the concept very well. Rap was a new style of music the kids were listening to these days, and I hated it. I sounded like my dad when I told my kids, that's not music, that's just a bunch of noise. I was mocking it one day while listening to a Beastie Boys song, and I would sing, baby, don't you want to rap with me? But I also wanted an opportunity to complain about air travel. They started charging you an excess fee for more than a couple of bags, and you had to go through security, and there was always a delay. But of course we know that air travel has gotten so much better these days. Let me tell you that just last week, 35 years later, I was on United again and 81 was the gate. I'm telling my story of Jesus and music from 1988 and we've got a lot of years to cover yet. Thanks for listening and of course supporting what you believe in because at church they don't let you have a tip jar.